Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest today is one of the biggest names in internet comedy. He's best known for his sketches, taking the piss out of politicians, celebrities, and he's just sat out on his first UK live tour featuring some of his best-loved characters. This is Munya Chihuahua's Wonderbox. So, uh, I'm here with Munya Chihuahua. Yes, uh, sir. There you go. And uh, Dan Atkinson, who's our producer. Hello. There you go. Right, let's crack on. I'm All right. Re- so, it. the first thing you want to put into your Wonderbox, what is it, mm. my friend? First thing I want to put in my window box is a Sega Genesis cartridge mm-hmm. yeah, of a game called Streets of Rage. Okay, so why specifically... Let, let's start with the, the name, first of all. Of the, mm. I presume it's a computer game. Yes, Streets, Streets of, of Rage. What, what is so special about Streets of Rage? Okay, so it falls within the category of what I'm most passionate about, which is video games. Oh, really? Yeah. Video games for me is the only thing I can switch my mind off. Okay. You know, you've got your, both your hands full, you can't be texting, you can't be what gesticulating, you're, you're in the game. Okay, that's interesting. So my grandparents lived in England, we lived in Zimbabwe, right? Yeah. And they smuggled over a Sega Genesis. To be honest, I say smuggled over, it, didn't, it wasn't that they smuggled over, but it was a big sacrifice in the luggage. Yeah. You know, that, that was a lot of kind of... Um, um, heel-supported shoes that could have taken that place. Yeah, absolutely. So they bought us a Sega Genesis, and I remember they told us to go outside. We didn't know that it was they'd bought it. And then we came in after a few hours, and there was the game literally flashing on screen <laughs> of Streets of Rage. And I, bro, I was hooked. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned that game in particular is because one day I played it so much, I actually lost the ability to see in colour. <laughs> okay. I swear to God, I, I finished playing, I looked around, I couldn't see colours. Was the, is it because the lights weren't on or just everything had happened? No, just because my eyes had literally been so pinpoint focused in this one game, the whole rest of my brain had just shut down around the screen. So you're a perfect example of when people say, if you play computer games, it will lead to violence. Facts. Have you ever turned the streets into rage? I mean, it was quite difficult in, uh, you know, growing up in Norfolk. <laughs> Specifically, I grew up in a village called Framingham Pigger. Oh, yeah. Now, it sounds like a like a sort of lauded gentry. Doesn't yeah, it sounds it? like what King Charles calls his penis. Yeah. Um, I so th- there was no one to have rage against. It, it was like a different kind of like ghetto, right? So there are these bunnies. Uh, so there are these rabbits in Framingham and Piggott. And, you can call um, them bunnies. You're my friends. That's <laughs> <laughs> like all your dad, daddy, isn't it? Um, there were these rabbits, yeah, and they had this condition called myxomatosis. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know the one. Yeah, I've seen my dad kill rabbits with myxomatosis. This is what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. If a rabbit has myxomatosis, its whole head swells up. Yeah. Its eyes go all puffy. Mm, it and, looks like Harry Maguire. It, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, basically, if you step on them or if a car runs over them, the heads explode. <laughs> so imagine being told, cool, when you go out to school, don't worry about being mugged, don't worry about drive-bys, but if you step on a rabbit, it will explode on you. <laughs> That's what I had to grow up against, man. Against potentially, and were there lots of rabbits? Yeah, there was a there, there was a few. It was like a it was like Squid Games trying to get to the bus stop. <laughs> and have you ever stepped on a rabbit? No, absolutely not. As horrifying. Have you ever seen anyone step on a rabbit? No, but I've seen the results. Have you? It looks like a um, a really sort of chunky hummus. Wow. A chunky furry hummus, which yeah. was actually my rap name in school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. That's my theory about Norfolk because. Yeah. I think they deliberately put roadkill on the main road into Norwich mm. so that nobody goes there. 
because we're sort of everyone outside of Norwich is fed this idea of like oh we're all inbred oh it's awful here and then you go there it's all right yeah and I I think they deliberately put dead animals so mm. that people will turn around that's they... a sick theory man that's a sick conspiracy I got another one mm-hmm. and I've so the Black Panther you've heard about the Norfolk Panther I ha- oh no you oh, must that, have is heard that the kind it, of bro. the creature that wanders about. Listen, right. I thought, or it's or it's a Norwich man who's part of a sort of a race movement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm the, no, I'm the Norfolk Panther. <laughs> Listen, the Norfolk Panther is real, yeah. and I'm gonna tell you how. Two mm. things. Number one, there was a cathedral in Norwich or something like that, a church in Norwich, and mm. one day they went in there. There was claw marks across the front. Yeah, yeah. That's got nothing to do with the systemic abuse. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was no, but they were the size of a panther. It was not sure. priest had size. Okay, yeah. So that's the first bit of evidence. Then I've got anecdotal evidence. That's the first piece of evidence. Okay, go for it. I have got anecdotal evidence. Yeah, sure. So where I used to live in Fravin Piggott, yeah? Yeah. We didn't even have streetlights. Yeah. As I told you, it was the ghetto. Yeah. There was one bus stop and it was maybe a 30-minute stretch from where I lived. So one day I've come back from the gym and I've said to my (laughs) mum, can you pick me up? Yeah. Which was the only way I could get that down there. She was like, nah, today I'm cooking. So you're going to have to walk. Today I'm cooking. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time that the Norfolk Panther rumours were booming, there was also a guy in a white transit van who would circle around the village just being a creep, right? So I now had to look out for the Norfolk Panther and uh, potential nonce. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've started walking down the the lane. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's pitch black. And I get to halfway down. Now, if I was a panther this would be the perfect place to attack. Mm-hmm. If you're a panther, yeah, you stalk your prey. That's the number one rule of being a panther. That's so true. he would have known my routine. Yeah. So They've got half- one of those clicky wheel things. <laughs> they sort of measure it. So I've got, I've got halfway down the lane and I start to hear a commotion behind me out of the bushes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, right, maybe some mixomatosis rabbit knows what's about to go down. Yeah. But then I start to hear the distinct sound of claws on hard surface. Yeah. So I've started to run. I'm panicking. Yeah. My bag opens, all of my stuff falls out. So I've turned around for it now, and in the nick of time, a car pulls up in front of me. Oh, no. Yeah? So I'm like, yes, my dad finishes work around this time. He's seen me. He's going to pick me up. So I'm scrambling, putting all my stuff in my bag. I turn around. I look at the car. It's not my dad's car. You know what it is? It's the transit van. guess what? The door's open. Oh, God. guess what? He's got a boner. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah. There's no no one in the car. Oh. So now... I am um, potentially being chased by the Norfolk Panther and the Norfolk Nonce. Wow. And guess what? Survived. You survived? <laughs> Did the Norfolk Nonce? I survived it all. I don't know where the Norfolk Nonce was. My theory is Maybe he got the mauled by the Panther. God. His boner got mauled off. This feels like the ultimate Netflix true crime. And where this is a, why I'm doing pan- the podcast, bro. Where a panther travels from remote place to remote place, <laughs> kills paedophiles... <laughs> So that all the children, all the children are free. I'd watch that. Yeah, Marvel's what? been on the decline. This could bring them back. What What I love to see. This is the great thing about the podcast. We've drifted wildly away from computer <laughs> games. So to go back to the story, I love the fact that your grandparents had a big suitcase. Yeah, they made you go out of the house, which to me sounds like they're going to get rid of a body. <laughs> But that feeling when they, I mean, as far as presents go, grandparents traditionally give bad presents. Mm. But like, Oh, I've had those, bro. But to have a Sega, Mm. I mean, surely they go into the position of number one as grandparents forever. Mm, Yeah, but things you just reminded me now of this one time that my grandma bought me silk leopard print underwear. Okay. With a band that said, 
Mark stood across the front. But when you factor in the fact that she got you a Sega and mm. she gave you all those kind of memories. Oh, yeah. So what? So you said it's, no, sti- I forgive her. it's still your passion then. So you, you st- yeah. What was so amazing about Streets of Rage? Mm, it was just like this sort of um, society in which the government has crumbled and you're basically beating up thugs. Uh, you know, in terms of logics, it didn't hold up too much because when your health was low, there would just be a whole chicken on the road which you'd just eat. Okay. A whole whole cooked chicken would just be laying about amidst these burning buildings and cars. Yeah. Well, maybe that would be a good apocalypse. Was it just that game? Were there other games? Yeah, so, you know, it was, um, you know, video games for me were and are a great escapism, as I mentioned. But, you know, I I remember it was an era where they would have video games of all the best films. So you play Aladdin, uh, Lion King. The thing was, with a Sega, you couldn't save the game. Right. So oh my died, God! So you, you got to... sixty levels in and you died. Yeah. Or you had to go and eat dinner. That's the end of your. That's the end of the career. And that's the worst thing when somebody, if you've just saved it, mm. or you haven't saved it, you've just left it on, and then somebody Someone just comes and off. turns it off. Because you play video games. So I only ever played when I was a kid. I played football games. So mm. I would play football during the day, yeah. and then I'd come home and I'd play football on. So we had a Commodore Amiga. So we used to play sensible soccer. Right. Then we would play. Uh, Pro Evo and mm-hmm. FIFA. Those are the only games. We used to play a game called Captain Planet briefly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I which was Planet. about, like, you'd sort of go around tidying up the world. I had mm. no fucking interest in that. Yeah, you know, you know what? Um, I've got a really weird theory about football games. Okay, this is only a Munya theory, so it only applies to me. But I think it, they should study it. When I play FIFA, if I come off FIFA for the next uh, seven days, I'm amazing at football. In real life. Yeah, I can see that. So we played soccer aid together. We did, yeah. I was I was trash. No, we, we, no, right. no, bro, no, come on. There was a day where we had to do volleys. Yeah. And I literally had Roberto Carlos yeah. crying with laughter because I was the only person who couldn't connect with the volley. Yeah, but let's see. And I see, hadn't played FIFA that week. Explain l- that. Let's see. Well, what I would say is let's see Roberto Carlos try and write a sketch. Let, let's see Roberto Carlos do stand-up. That's exactly it, man. Do you know what Get worried, him in the studio. I need to tell him that. Do you know what worried me about Roberto Carlos? Mm. He was the first professional footballer that I met when I did Soccer Aid mm. and he was drinking Beck's for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when you go oh we're not in Oz anymore Dorothy no, no, like, but... because he was better than anyone yeah. and he's a big lad now mm. and he was pissed yeah but, yeah but did you see his calves though that's what I mean my guy looked like he was smuggling mangoes yeah. under his calves yeah it was chaos you can't you can't, you can't test that guy well, Caf- Cafu yep. nearly broke my ankle Ca- well, Cafu's a machine Cafu, Cafu hurt me. People think Cafu's my dad. Do you know that? <laughs> no, I don't. People think Cafu is my dad. Okay. So when we did Soccer Aid, yeah. uh, obviously our team won, so yes. we got the medals. That's right. I yeah. said, bro, can we have a picture? I put yeah. my arm around and whatnot. Like, what, yeah. what? And I post it every Father's Day. And oh, people right, believe nice. it. I don't doubt it, though. But, I mean, Jesus, what, what's your dad like? Is he as good as Cafu? Oh, no, 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 no. My dad is a whole... that. that he, he... What does your dad do? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I literally have told this before. So I know, like I'm in a relationship with my dad and stuff, but he's just the most mysterious man on the planet. One time, I know he nearly got uh, shot being a postman. Wow. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Somebody <laughs> chased him with an axe when he was a postman. Right. And then apparently, at one point, he was a, a shot a, a marksman. I don't know what for in, what for what institute. Yeah. And then now I have no idea what he does. I'd be like, Dad, how's work? You'd be like, Ah, yes, it's very good. <laughs> But uh, I can't really say much. Is he st- is he still in Zimbabwe? No, no, he's Birmingham. Okay. That was meant to be a Brummie accent. <laughs> wow. So and do you, so you've got 
no idea what he does at all. I've got no idea what Fucking this guy does, man. man. But don't you, don't you find that dads can be very elusive like that? Dads are elusive, but as far as elusivity goes, that's mm. top draw, mate. He doesn't but know... But to say that your dad got chased <laughs> by an axeman, I mean, what I would say, it did say on the letterbox, no junk mail. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They were pretty adamant. But then also that he's a marksman. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that is a guy with a floating CV. What else did he say he did? I um... deliver or I end. <laughs> Let's have another another thing that you adore. Right. Um, the next thing I'm going to put into the box is a slice of pizza. Okay. A, a slice of um, chicken and some sort of sweet pepper pizza. Okay. Right? And this is because it reminds me of my best day at work. So uh, this is a, an evening during lockdown and Chip, who is a renowned MC, you know, revered within the rap scene, He's, he's the man who never runs out of bars, that's what they say about him. He sends a diss track to Stormzy, right? And the internet explodes, okay? Everyone's like, is Stormzy going to reply? How is he possibly going to come back to this or whatnot? I've done my work for the day. I put my sketch out. I'm sat on my bed, boxers on, slice of pizza, yeah? I'm chilling. And I open Twitter to try and see what this discourse is going to be. I want to see the memes. I want to see the... Da -da. And I open Twitter and my name is the first name under the Chip versus Stormzy hashtag. Right. And it's like, whatever Stormzy replies, Munya has, is going to reply quicker. Right. And there are people like, yeah, Munya's already got his diss track ready because this was a time when it was in lockdown. I was responding super quick to stuff. And I'm thinking, I've not even written one word. And I tweeted this out. I was like, guys, now I'm going to sit this one out. Like, yeah, I'm going to leave it to the pros. And they were like, yeah, sure, Munya. Can't wait to see what you produce. And this momentum is getting more and more and more. I'm thinking... Okay, now I'm in a uh, I'm in a situation. Should I do it? Should I not? It's eleven o'clock at night. I had one Twitter DM. Yeah, I never get message on Twitter. I opened the the Twitter DM, and where Chip performs all of the diss tracks is a shell station. Yeah, that's his like iconic um, his iconic whatever backdrop, and it was a message from John Boyega, and he said, "You better be at a shell station right now." And I went, "Holy crap! I'm I'm about to do this." So stayed awake till 3 a.m. writing a diss track against Chip on Stormzy's behalf. Right. Still haven't had a thank you. Yeah. Went to Shell Station in Crystal Palace. You know the one. I do know the one. 4 a.m. Yeah. I was there. Filmed a diss track. Yeah. Edited it for five. And you're not even allowed mobile phones on the forecourt. <laughs> exactly. Never mind a freaking gimbal. Um, put the video out. That was like the first day ever I've trended on Twitter. It was the character I did, Unknown P and Munya, were both trending at the same time. And it was like the the biggest rush ever. It made all the papers yeah. and whatnot. It was like one of my most viral videos. And um, uh, uh, the reason I mentioned the pizza is because that pizza definitely was undercooked. And so I did the whole thing whilst food poisoned. Oh, my God. Yeah. Where did you get the pizza from? Uh, it was just somewhere on Uber Eats. Right, and it yeah. let you down, but maybe it was the the mania from the food poisoning mm. that gave you an extra something. This is what I'm saying. Man. And when you so when that happens, the, what can you remember what you wrote? What was it yeah. that Chip said about Stormzy, and what was your favourite reply? Okay, this is a sick bar. Let me try and remember it. So it was the first lines were, "Didn't think it was me that would murk you." Here's something for the Twitter birds to chirp to. I'm a posh MC but I make a man run out of bars like a 10pm curfew. So, at the time... There was a 10pm curfew, curfew because of COVID, and yeah. And Chip 
never runs out of bars. I get it. So the double entendre of making him run out of bars like a 10pm curfew. <laughs> Not getting excited enough in the studio, guys. And so when you wrote that, did mm. you know that's a hit? Because it fascinates me that when, like, you know that song, uh, There She Goes by the Lars? Yeah. There she, they must have known mm. when they did it that was a hit. So as you were writing that, were you like, this is the one? It was hard to know, you know, because I was in a flat share at the time, so I had to climb into my own wardrobe to do it. Because I couldn't wake up. You went full Narnia. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes it even more interesting. the realms of Narnia to so write you this wrote track. The, you wrote the song in a cupboard. Okay, so I didn't have to write it in a cupboard. I performed it in a cupboard. I recorded it in a cupboard. What, because of the sound? Yeah, because I couldn't wake up my flatmate. Because how can you how can you explain that to someone? I'm sorry I woke you up as writing a reply to Chip. Yeah. I'm, I'm wading into a, dis, uh, a grime where I have no, no license to be in. It's just one of those really surreal things you can't describe to someone yeah. you're living with. But there's something really cool about the fact that there's a real air of the entrepreneur about you in, mm. a, in a really great way that you mm. were like, right, I'll give it a go. Yeah. I'll throw it out there and it becomes a huge yeah. thing rather yeah. than kind of going, well, I'll sit on it and I'll weigh out the pros and cons. Mm. The very fact that you wrote it, got in the cupboard, <laughs> got it out there. Yeah. But that's one of the things I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm talking about because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying my hand at stand up at the moment. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about the fact that this whole, you know, two three years has been really kind of scary at times mm -hmm. because I never wanted to be a comedian. Right. So if when you what when, did you want to be then? So okay. So the first, you know, at school when you'd say, when you'd be in school and you'd say, you know, your teacher would say, "What do you want to be when you're older?" You say yeah. something mad, unrealistic, yeah, like yeah. Oh, an astronaut or a homeowner. I said <laughs> I wanted to be <laughs> David Beckham's hairdresser. Wow! <laughs> I don't even know why. Well, you, but particularly at your age, you'd have got a lot of work out of that. Because, I know. Yeah, he was changing every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th well, that, that's the thing. I did have that entrepreneurial spirit because, you're, as you're right, he had the mohawk, he had the freaking cornrows, mm -hmm. he had the frosted tips. You know, obviously everyone else in uh, my school wanted to be a footballer, mm. you know, which which maybe I should have done. It's such a weird thing that, though, that the when someone says to you when you're little, right, what do you want to be? Mm. And it's such a, I don't know, it's such a working class thing, isn't it? Of like, oh, mm. I want to be something like, like I want to be a comedian. I want to, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and, and then all your mates will just rinse you or I want to be a musician or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird thing where you often think, it's like all actors, mm. broadly speaking, in the UK that are successful went to public school. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, well, I, mean, I want to be an actor. And mm. they can be penniless for years because they live in the quarters mm -hmm. of their... But it's sort of that odd thing if you're growing up in the arse end of nowhere where you're being chased by nonces and panthers. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's sort of that weird thing. You spend so much time on a wall thinking, yeah. just having the kind of courage to go, fuck it, I'm going to try that. Mm. To be honest, I wanted to be a TV presenter first. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And I knew when I was in Framie and Piggott, and I'd be, because, you know, there was no one there. I didn't mm. have any friends living there, yeah? I'd just walk around daydreaming all the time, and yeah. it would go between TV presenter or singer, or I never let stand-up comedy be a thought because I was yeah. terrified of it. I did a five-minute gig, which was for a TV show, so it wasn't, it was kind of more produced. Yeah, yeah. The other gig I did was just absolutely mental. It was, I had to open for Thundercats, music concert in Brixton Academy in front of 5,000 people with 20 minutes of stand-up. Well, so that was the second gig you've done? That was the done. second gig I did. Oh, that's a big start, son. And, and then I just, sent, I just said, right, I need to learn to be a stand-up in three quarters of a year. Mm -hmm. And I remember someone said to me, one of my live agents said to me, I had a comic tell me it takes 30 goes to perfect a bit. 
Mm-hmm. And I went, this is classic Munya brain. I went, well, I'm going to do 80 gigs before my tour then, because that means some bits I will have done more than 30 times. Uh, absolutely. So I know in the world of stand-ups, 80 is not a lot, because I you know, I meet you guys, you're doing four a night, whatnot. But to me, as someone who was not only scared of stand-up, never done it before, I was like, I'm going to try and get to 80 gigs before tour. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing the whole year. And it's amazing. I learned so much. It's also terrifying. But that's been the journey this year. Mm. And so whether it's the Stormzy video or the online sketches or now the stand-up, it's been a big journey of fake it till you make it. But you've got a really, the, the, you have an interest. remember we spoke about this, you've got an interesting story given mm. that you were, were you born in Derby? Uh, you're born in Derby, yeah. And then you went to Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and then you moved to Norfolk. Yeah. There's interesting mm. chapters there straight away. Exactly. And then when you factor in becoming a viral sensation mm. and then sort of, be- becoming like an internet celebrity. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. everything comes... There's there's lots of interesting areas mm. where the audience are going to want to know stuff about you. For sure. But then doing stand-up, the great thing is, particularly if you do 100 gigs, you sort of figure it out and you sort of get that kind of muscle memory. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's where you kind cool. of go... And it's fun. Mm. Once you move beyond the kind of fear, which is obvious, mm-hmm. you just get that, that way of just kind of communicating. Well, that's... The- Bro, that's the thing I wish I, I kind of wish I had before I did so many of the you know the shows that I did. Yeah, but because, that's the point because well, you're figuring it out. Yeah, but ha- hang on, think about this. Yeah, you come out of lockdown mm. and you're you, famous. You come out of lockdown, so go into lockdown two weeks before lockdown. I was working uh, in an office. Yeah, right. Going to lockdown, come out, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you're the comedian." And yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, you are the comedian, and you're on last leg on Friday. Yeah. Then you're going to do eight out of ten. Don't, bro, those were my f- imagine those as your first gigs. Yeah. Or like even Taskmaster, like. I wouldn't change doing Taskmaster for the world because it's one of the best things I've done. But sometimes I think to myself, imagine what it would have been like if I had the confidence of doing stand-up. Because all the time I was on that show, I was thinking to myself, man, look, I'm surrounded by these like comedy legends that I've literally watched on TV. Yeah. I can't, can I hold a candle to them? Do I have a place in this lineup? And um, that's the way my journey's worked. I wouldn't change anything about it, but I can definitely see that if I had the art form of stand-up in my back pocket, I would have more confidence in myself. But you also, comedian, you know? you're 30, and you, if you've been doing stand-up now for a year, mm. two years, but it, by the time you're 35, you'll have been doing it for six mm-hmm. years. That's my plan. But you'll be great. Do, do you have any um, weird rituals? Because for me, I can't feel, I don't like to feel anything touching my thighs and my pockets. Uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't have anything in mm. my pockets, yeah. Or cash card out, phone out, yeah. keys out. I've got a weird thing about I like to touch a piece of wood before I go on. Is it? Yeah, got a pirate that comes with me, just rub his <laughs> leg. Um, that, but that's also something that's really funny, that mm. irrespective of how big you are, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Bill Burr, they have a shit before they go on. Yeah. And that, like, Beyonce takes mm. a big old dump <laughs> before she does the O2. There's, and there's, there, there's something so cool about the fact that you can get as relaxed as you want. Mm. That's the only truth you'll know. Mm. You'll, I, have a, you'll have a big shit before every gig. I can't do that. I have to wait till I get home. Really? It's too much of a gamble, man. What you're going to see uh, in there can scar you. You have to look at it. You flush, you move on. Nah, I can't, bro. I just keep it all bottled up. Well, you've got... But you, but don't look. Don't look back. I can't. I can't, man. What, what, so you, so you, you only... I clamp it in, yeah. So you only go to toilet yeah. at home? Or mm-hmm. well, anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Wowzers. It's not as bad as I know a DJ who used to rent out a hotel room <laughs> so that he could wash his bum after doing that. After having a shit? Yeah. Flipping At hell. work. And he rented a hotel room next to his work. Wow. So he could go out and do that and then come back and clean. 
But that's when you know you're doing all right. Yeah, no, for sure. Did he sort of write them off against tax? <laughs> because presumably that's Probably. a work, that, but that's a work expense, isn't it? Is it is a work, yeah. Uh, it says you got the Marriott here for an hour. <laughs> oh, that sounds like prostitutes. No, no, no. I, I was wiping my ass. Was there anyone watching? Yeah. Wow. That's but, that's what I'm, I'm putting. I'm going to try and get a B day on expenses. So, so when you have your movement at home. Mm. What, are you regular? Are you like a one a day guy? I'm just a normal, every normal guy, average judge. You, I mean, you're not a normal guy. You've never shat outside your house. <laughs> no, obviously, bro. You've when, never shat outside when your house. Needs and must. you do your work in a no, cupboard. No, no, no. When needs must, but I'm not one of these people who actively seeks toilets outside their house to do their business. No. <laughs> yeah, but are you, I feel like you now have admitted to being that kind of guy. Oh, like you could be I've, at Laser Quest and be like, oh, there's a Laser Quest there. They'll have toilets. I'm going to go there. Listen, that, that's what you strike me as. If I'm at a Laser Quest, <laughs> I I will defecate. In a laser quest. Yeah, I would. That's yeah, what I that's mean. The truth. I'm not that guy. No, I, but listen, if I was playing laser quest <laughs> and it was the game was preheated, I would take a shit. But I wouldn't kind of like look on my phone and go, where's the laser quest? <laughs> Didn't think it was me that would murk you. Here's one for the tweet gang to chirp to. I'm a posh MC, but I make man run out of bars like a 10 p.m. curfew. I'm so unholy. Turned up to the clash on the back of a bright white pony. You may be the guy, but I can make a grown man cry like Angelina Jolie. Man's got whips. Falafel, hummus, dips, but I know carbs go straight to my hips, so I could never waste time on chips. What's the next one? Let's. Um... The next item I'm going to put in is um, blue skittles. Blue skittles. Mm. Okay, take me it Reminds it. me of you know a romantic moment in my teen years. My first girlfriend. You know how that gets. You're head over heels. Mm -hmm. You're in this mesmerising bubble of love, mm -hmm. and. Um, I remember one day she flopped a test, I think, and she was down about it. Well, I honestly, I didn't think test was going to be the end of that. <laughs> I thought, flopped a test. Yeah, I thought she was going to flop something different. Out. So she she just loved sweets. That was her thing. You know, right. That was a defining characteristic. Okay. And um, how old was she? Uh, we were we were eighteen. <laughs> okay, a few. And she, she she was um she th there was a time when that uh, in one stop in Norfolk maybe it was a national thing I don't know we we had a lot of exclusives they were doing blue one blue skittle in every packet. Okay. Right. And uh, she went she was like I don't want to hang out I'm feeling depressed we went home so I went to one stop and I bought um, all the packets of skittles in there. God, lovely. And then went to her house, but I don't want to be seen. I want to be a romantic gesture, and laid out the blue skittles from every packet into a heart on the driveway. Oh, on the driveway. That's Ooh, nice. Well, actually, it was on the it was on the lawn next to the driveway. Oh, lovely. So in a heart. Obviously, this is not this is Norfolk. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of it was fairly new into the relationship. A lot of her neighbours probably didn't know who I was, because I was crouching underneath their window, organising blue skittles in a heart. Mm. So I don't know. It was a, She enjoyed the gesture. I don't know whether the, that, from that point on, the neighbours were just sort of, you know, terrorised by this prospect of the blue skittle heart leaving yeah. <laughs> hoodlum. Oh, I like that, though. So, and and how did she respond? She was, I, she was swept off her feet. Of course. Naturally. How long did you wait for her to... I wait for the text. Oh, you wait for the text. I yeah. thought you didn't wait in like the hedge to no, sit. No, no, no. Okay. I went straight home and just waited for the moment that she went out and discovered it. Were you sl not slightly nervous that like a bird was going to come alone and sort of take a few of them and then fuck the heart up? <laughs> I know crows and they don't often go for blue skittles. True, but true. They don't go, I don't think crow. I don't think blue. You know, crows are attracted to blue stuff. I think that isn't that that thing that you 
sort of in nature, we know not to eat blue things. Mm. So, so maybe as you're right. That was a decision on my part. So, so, <laughs> so when you get that text, yeah, you, presumably you know, even at 18, you know that is a beautiful gesture. I just know that that's boyfriend points, man. It's yeah. all about boyfriend points. Yeah. Because I was so clueless as to, I was so clueless about how to be a good boyfriend because I never had a girlfriend before. But that's a lovely. I used, to, I used to check it out. I used to read so many articles on WikiHow. And Did like, you? Yeah, it was like you should surprise them at regular intervals, yeah. or you know, sit under a tree and kiss them on the forehead. And yeah. I would just do all that stuff, just ticking it off. I think it would have helped if I had stopped there, but I kept trying to go grander, because you know you've got to go up from the blue skittle heart. Mm. So I remember for her birthday, now I <laughs> worked left... with a chef, and um, I was like, we, we we need to make a castle out of sweets. So we went to Poundland, we bought twenty bags of boiled sweets, and we blowtorched them into a castle. And then we filled it with strawberry laces. No, we made a moat of strawberry laces and a wall of marshmallows. Wow. Now, presenting that to someone on their birthday, That's nice not... to look at. Yeah. It's not, it's not really a gift, is it? You can't eat no. it either because these, these sweets have been welded together. <laughs> yeah. So what ended up happening is she, had to le she left it on the carpet on a tray and it basically just congealed outwards into the carpet across yeah. the next few weeks. Okay. That's a, you know that's the kind of thing that should have been slapped out of me from earlier, I think. No, but it's so thoughtful, mm. isn't it? It's sort mm. of like, and to be honest, if she'd been older, if she was an old lady and she was presented with a castle full of boiled sweets, <laughs> that's I, like you a wild. Oh, she'd have, originals. She'd have lost her damn mind. <laughs> How long did you stay together, you and this girl? We were together probably for sixth form, uni, like, like okay, most relationships. Proper you, relationship. you manage to go through sixth form, you yeah. kind of get to the end of uni, and then you go, right, I'm an adult now. So yeah. I'm gonna, but you know what, I think... Um, Are you still a romantic is what I'm trying to drive at? Am I still a romantic? I'm still more of a practical romantic, do you know what I mean? So I will go, and, you know, I will go on a date somewhere if I know that there's shelter from rain and stuff. Oh, know, Jesus like Christ. Kind of <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll check the weather forecast before going out. Oh, my God. Do you want to go out with me? Is there a gazebo? <laughs> so, yeah, but you have to be practical about these things. Why do you fear because, the weather so no, no, much? Because, you know, the, What's when, you're happened? A, when you're a teenager, kissing in the rain is fun. Yeah. You know, but now... Not a 30. At age, yeah, at you can't let it get into your bones. <laughs> you, can, you can sort of smell the damp and then, you know, it can affect the colour of the shirt. But but you're willing to do a wrap on well, a full court at three <laughs> in the morning. No, but Russell, if you went on a date as you are now in this blue T-shirt... Oh, yeah, right, Jesus, I wouldn't. And it's got soaked through. Yeah. I would not trust a man in a dark blue wet T-shirt. So you would never date a lifeguard? <laughs> There's in a blue t-shirt yeah 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 just yeah. so what What? again so the rain is a big no-no so do you only date during the summer uh, look so I like. I just like to plan things yeah yeah I just like to make sure that I know you know what the weather forecast is going to be if it's going to rain yes I see that Yeah. also you know I have to check we, as we've discussed I need to know what the facilities are at the venue that we're going to <laughs> amen yeah you know yeah. It's all those kind of things. Also, you know, having a good excuse. Sometimes, you know, if you're at a restaurant and you and you do need to, you know, to, to go to the bathroom, you have to think of ample excuses that can create the time that you might need. See, this is the funny thing. Because I've been with my wife for such a long time, mm. I'm so far out of practice. To cut, you're completely <laughs> right. It, it's because, of you know, all those WikiHow articles were like, you know, you never say that. So yeah. if I need one, I just say I'm going for a think. A think? <laughs> Well, she knows what you're doing. Yeah, but it just sounds nicer. It does sound nicer. Anyway, look, we're veering too much down toilet chat. What I'll yeah, say sir. is this. So I know that my ex-girlfriend's neighbours probably didn't like me because I then almost nearly burnt down the house by accident. Okay. Another romantic gesture gone wrong. What was this? Do you know a Disney film called Tangled? Uh, no. 
there's a scene, they're on a boat, on a gondola, on the lake. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, thousands of sky lanterns rise into the sky. Okay. And they're, and they're performing a duet. And I thought, how hard can that be to do? Yeah. So it's a birthday and I bought uh, 50 sky lanterns. And wow, the plan sis. is... How much did they cost? Dude, it was maybe two, so I made 100 quid. Wowzers. 100 quid on Sky Lanterns. Yeah. The plan was start the Disney soundtrack, and when it gets to the chorus, which is what, 42 minutes in, uh, 42 seconds in, we will have the sky lit with Sky Lanterns. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. going to walk out, the chorus is going to hit, the Sky Lanterns are all over the place. Mm-hmm. What actually happened is the song started, we lit one Sky Lantern, and instead of flying up, it flew sideways <laughs> into the tree. <laughs> So yeah. there's 99 sky lanterns on the floor. One is setting a tree on fire. She's walked out. It's a disaster. The mum's panicking. We've got to go around and say, sorry, your tree's on fire. Maybe that's the time I actually stopped being romantic. No, but again, the, the, the effort is extraordinary. Mm. And it's so funny that you're like, I'm scared about comedy. But comedy seems to kind of follow you. <laughs> yeah, Do you but, know but what I mean? How but can I tell that story on stage and people believe me? Because so many of the stories I tell that I can see people like, no, this didn't happen. Ah, uh, but it's authentic because mm. I can see that it happens because you're a planner. Mm, I am so, a planner. So you want everything to go perfectly. Mm. And the very fact that when you were 18, you were doing all these kind of gestures because you were reading from WikiHow. <laughs> like you've, you've given the game away. This is why I know it's not bullshit because you were adamant. True, I trying... was in the trenches. First time I ever sexted uh, was on my granddad's phone. Oh, and f- that and that story. If you want to hear it, you're gonna to have to come to the tour. Oh, that's a good. Was it that, to, was it to your nan? No, you, you'll find out everything. Oh, that I mean, that's a good. That yeah. is all right, man. So the first, that should be the poster, really. And um, was it? Can I can I press you? As it was it was it words or was it an image? It was a Nokia, so there was no potential for images. Oh, okay, they didn't have those good facilities. Yeah, but you could play snake. You can uh, show one. Oh yeah, this is it, man. When is the tour? So I'm touring now. Oh, are you? Touring right now across the whole of October. Where can people get tickets? Let's uh, do a proper plug. Tickets live. Basically, just type in Munya Chihuahua Live Nation. Take you straight to the link. Tickets are out. I'm going to be finishing Scotland. If you're in a big city and there's an O2 Academy in that city, I will be there. You will be there. At some point this month. So grab tickets. Where are you doing in London? London, I'm doing uh, Kentish Town Forum. Oh, great. Free sold out. So oh, that good one, for you, man. You stand outside and we'll airdrop the vibes to you. But yeah, <laughs> it's a great room that as well. Yeah, and it's man, just I'm around pumped. the uh, it's around the corner. I might try and is there, is there room for oh, me? Oh, dude, to I'd hundred percent squeeze in at the back. I'd uh, love to see. I'd that. I'd love that, man, because you know I have, I haven't said this to you, but but, but you know I'm a huge fan of your stuff, and I, you know, when you do your reports and uh, that's my, that's how I would anchor a lot of my. I would try to to get your gauge on things and then think, okay, right, how are the good satirists doing it? Mm-mm. I don't know if you'd say you're a satirist, but a lot of the stuff is satirical. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because like I think that's where the world has changed in that you you don't wear a suit mm-hmm. and you don't sit behind a desk, mm. and it, that's all something that I've always wanted to do. But this weird thing in this country where apparently to be a satirist you have to look a certain way, you have to wear a suit, you have to be behind the desk, you have mm. to do do that a lot. Mm-hmm. But it's, that isn't the truth. The truth is, it's like like what you do. You, you know, you can write songs, you can do a sketch, you can make yeah. jokes. It's it's so multi-layered. I hope a, so, man. And, and, that, and you know, to be honest, all the, the songs and the sketches and the stuff are things I'm trying to build into, into the tour. The, yeah, it's a tricky one, that, isn't it? Because you kind of, because stand-up's so alive and it's yeah. so now... It's kind of, it's about, for you, it's that getting the blend. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's sort of, because if it's all the same show, you'll just get mm-hmm. a bit bored. Yeah, man. So, you know, I think we've done it. I think we've, we've, we've hit the blend. Yeah, but, man. Yeah, man. You can tell me when you come to London. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. 
hello. Uh, this, this, this is the awkward moment in it where I flog tickets, but I'm doing a tour in America uh, in October and then uh, some more gigs in the UK in November. They're kind of mostly so. Anyway, if you want to go, and I'd love you to come, uh, you can book tickets by going to russellhoward.com. Right, plug over. Let's have a chat again. Right, what's the next thing in the... Uh... The next thing in I'm putting in the box is actually hot or cold water. Okay, let's just say water. This... <laughs> no, 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 but the temperature's important. <laughs> okay, apologies. Because it links to what I think is a hidden talent that I have. Okay. I've mentioned this a few times to people, they don't believe it. Yeah. But I think I can tell the difference between hot and cold water just from the sound. Okay. I haven't yet figured out a place where that could be a you know, saving grace or, you know, that could be a superpower. Yeah. But I can do it. Because everyone has a hidden talent. It's not always impressive, but I think mine's pretty impressive. So, uh, when when did you discover you had this, <laughs> let's call it a skill, but when... All right, say I'm in the lounge, right, and I hear someone pouring... Okay, say I was like age six yep. in the lounge. I hear mum pouring something. Mm-hmm. And I just thought to myself, that is hot. <laughs> okay. That's, so... the, that's the origin story, that's it. Right. And then would you sort of then go out to the kitchen to go... Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or I'd see her walk through with a cup of tea and I'd go, boom, spot on. Yeah. And then it kept happening, bro. Right, okay. Jesus Christ. I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? So No, but hang on. Wait a minute. This is what I'm saying. You're trying to ostracise me because of a skill no, I No, I'm not. It's just your mum's in the kitchen. <laughs> like, if I didn't see her. No, no, no. But you weren't the kettle go on. No. I mean... No, I never. I was distracted. Okay, okay. She's running a bath. I bet that's hot. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, but okay, but, but sometimes people will pour a squash. Yeah. And I'll know it's cold. But but where's the evidence? Well, you you're, you guys are responsible for setting up the, the experiment. But but if, because if you said to me, if you said, we've got a pot here full of hot or cold water, we're going to pour it now, then I will be able to show you 10 times in a row. Okay. I see a producer nodding his head, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying I'll it. tell you what. Let's get a pot let, of hot and cold water. Just We can do this. We can do it later. Yeah, we'll, and we'll I'll do it later. But eyes. can we get... To, let's make it interesting. Let's get a, a a hot coffee and a cold coffee. And what do, we'll do I that. get now? Because obviously you've now shamed me. What do I no. get if I'm correct? Uh, what would you like? Respect. Oh, I'll give you respect. I've yeah. got respect for you. So you okay. can have something more no, than No, no, I want respect for my skills. Oh, for the so skill? So what I'm saying is when you next tour, I have to open with that act. Yeah, you get me on and you say Minya's going to do five minutes of hot water. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. Oh, mate, that'd be so funny. Minya's going to do five minutes of hot water stuff. But do do you know the funny thing? It would genuinely be watchable. Like, it's sort of that, because it's such a mind-numbing skill. You could win Britain's Got Talent with that, because everyone's like, oh, it doesn't sound like anything. But as soon as you started it... You're invested now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got people outside this studio moving heaven and earth to get me a cold yeah, coffee right true. now. We do want to know, in fairness, do you know, something very exciting is about to happen now. Mm. We've got hot and cold water. We've got hot and cold water. So this is... Right, I'm uh, not going to look. For, for anyone listening, I'm looking down at the desk he right is, now. In fairness, he is looking down. So uh, let's do this in various stages. I mean, this is I'll, I'll try and help for the for the listeners. Mm. So we have two. You can look now, Munya. So we have we have two teapots here. Yeah. Um, there's one on the right, one on the left. Mm-hmm. They're both the same color. Would you like me to to do anything? Would you like me to tap? Nope. You, you're just gonna. I, the moment that moisture comes out of the spout. Oh, it's. Tr- Hang on a fucking minute. What? Because what, you're going to see steam. I'm not going to look. 
Okay, that's the power. Right. Listening. right, hang on. So I'm going to try and turn so I can still speak in the mic. You can hear me, yeah? I can hear you perfectly, right. Right. Shall I lift it for a bit? Right, so this is the first teapot on the left. Okay. Not decent pour, that. Okay. And this is the second one. Ah, first one's cold, second one's hot, man. Oh, do Don't you know play what? with me. He's absolutely Don't not. play with me. He's nailed that. Wow. Yeah, pretty special. And I knew it was cold straight away. Do you know how I know? Go on. Cold has just like this twinkly, ephemeral sound. Yeah. Hot just has this brazen audacity. Yeah. Wowzers. You, you will never understand the way I understand it, but trust me. They could have done with you on the um, on the Titanic. Yeah, I could be like a... <laughs> just to go, no, 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 it's really icy down there. <laughs> Seriously. So so now I have to open your tour. I, honestly, man. What you mate. do at all? Five minutes of hot water play. A, a play now yeah well do you know <laughs> I think somewhere. that was impressive and also you know you guys didn't believe me you doubted me I did yep and now we realise that is a hidden talent because when you look at me you'd not think to yourself this man can hear the difference in temperature no 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 that's not the first thing you think so do you do that automatically do you find yourself just walking past the pret yeah and just your ear listening and you're like uh, that's an iced coffee yeah is it a curse as much as it's, a blessing? That's a very yeah, good question. Yeah, it's, it's like when Superman, you know, like when he flies to the top of the of the, of the earth and he can hear all the madness happening. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel sat in the middle of a Costa coffee. Yeah, sure. Just thinking to myself, cold, hot, cold, hot, lukewarm. It's hard, man. It's a burden. Do you know the thing that baffles me is sometimes you'll be in a coffee shop. I don't know if you've heard this. Mm. But you hear somebody go, they'll order a coffee and they go, can I have it extra hot, please? Yes. Like they're holding back heat. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just, it, but it's, it's such a, I don't know whether it's a London thing, but you're like, you dickhead. Here's what my mum does. She'll order a hot drink and she'll go, can I have a small cup of hot water with it? That I don't understand. Just to keep my, my keep weird <laughs> son interested. I've got to pour it into a bucket. <laughs> it's the only way I can keep him focused. So have you ever told anyone else about this skill? Nah, man, it's just too, you don't want to open that can of worms because then people start treating you different, and, and, you know. And I've got to tell you my other superpower, which I don't want to test, but I am extremely good at dodging things. Like, freakily good. Okay. One time I got taken to dodgeball by my friends at work. Yeah. And what, every what? single round, it was the last man standing because like a ball would come and I could I could like feel it before it had even been thrown. Yeah. Apparently that's meant to be a symptom of ADHD. Really? Being good at dodging stuff? Yeah. Apparently you walk very close to people and then you sort of twist. I them. love doing that. Well, this is it. But see, my wife goes absolutely apeshit when I do that. <laughs> but it's just... Wait, I don't so, do, are I you don't, good at dodging? Like, so I'll walk at somebody. I don't think I am, mm. but I apparently I walk very close and then I'll kind of just, I can just go sideways and sort of dodge them. I think you mm. and me were probably the only people in the world that watched that bit in The Matrix and you're like, well, that's just getting through a high street. <laughs> He's just got ADHD. Yeah, 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 exactly. He just, he just knows how to, to sort of shimmy. I imagine you'd be very good at rugby. Mm. The only reason I never did rugby was because of, at uni, was because of all the initiations. Because they said to me that they had to like run uh, through the city with like an Oreo in their bum. And I was thinking, I wouldn't even, that, that wouldn't work for me. No, no. It's funny, isn't it? Because rugby has a reputation of like, it's the gentleman sport. Mm. And they're very kind to the ref. And you go, yeah, but they drink each other's piss. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely problems leading up yeah. to it. When they get on the pitch, oh yeah, they're lovely. Off I'd, the pitch. Yeah. 
if I if they were trying that with me, I'd I'd hear it before they tried to present it to me in the glass. Yeah, exactly. I'd know You're what like, it was. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a prop forward. No, Warm, actually. What um what uh, university did you go to? Uh, I went to Sheffield, and it was kind of um un- sorry university as a place I yeah. found very difficult to fit in because you know I didn't know I didn't know who I was really. Mm. You know, I was yes I was a person of color. But I didn't have any friends, you know, black friends in uh, Norfolk or Norwich whom I could, you know, assimilate with, learn the music, learn the you know, culture, everything. So when I went to university, I feel like a lot of people there were anticipating that from me. But I didn't know how to be that, you know. And then it was only in my third year that I actually discovered Afro-Caribbean society, which was when I only then just started to make some friends that I actually could really gel with and stuff. But it was just a very difficult time because I didn't know who I was. So how old were you mm. when you were in Zimbabwe? Zimbabwe was ages four until 12, pretty much. So seminal. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly from Zimbabwe to Norfolk. Yeah. From 12 to 16. Uh, uh, To 18. To 18. And then you go to university. Then I go all over, yeah. In Sheffield. In Sheffield. So that is, you know, that's a real juxtaposition. Mm. Well, what's really interesting is that, you know, in Zimbabwe, I really experienced, you know, Africa. And, uh, you know, because there's a spectrum of, you know, blackness in terms of like your experiences within that. You know, there are, you know, when you're in Africa, when you're in your your homeland of Zimbabwe, you're going to really experience a whole different culture, food, practice, behavior, um, you know, social schematics, all of that. And then obviously you move to England and it shifts slightly because obviously it's sort of like, you know, um, you know, you're in Britain. Those things change slightly. So it's like I'd had this really authentic experience of what it's like to be from an African nation and to really experience the language and the food and the culture. And then I moved to Frammy and Pigger, which was almost like the flip side of my because, you know, I'm mixed race. I'm half white, half black. So like the flip side of my whiteness where it's like a very posh. You know, um, everyone in that village, it was was so posh. And, you know, the people had their, you know, million pound houses and stuff like that. And that was like the extreme other end of the spectrum. And then I sort of went to university and I had to sort of try and fuse both of these things together to forge a personality. And it was really difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, in Zimbabwe, I spoke with an accent. You know, like um, the closest I can describe it is when you hear South African actors talking in, in you know, English accent in a movie or whatever. That's how we were speaking at school. Yeah. Because didn't, I didn't really speak Shona. And then, you know, in Framingham and Pickett, everyone's really posh. So I tried to kind of adapt to that as well. Yeah. So my accent is quite strange still. But at university, it was really posh. Right. And maybe that reflected on me a type of way. But in my mind, I was like, no, no, this is how I thought I was meant to speak. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're very clearly very good at adapting. Mm -hmm. That's one of your skills, isn't it? Then you're kind of like sort of, if you look at your sketches, you look at sort of your your output, it is adapting and reacting to to the world. Mm -hmm. So it strikes me you're very good at that. And all of these things that you've shown me are, in a sense, it's all about planning. Yeah. And... Uh, putting thought into things, mm-hmm. you're you're clearly very thoughtful. But um, yeah, that that that's what I'm getting from the the list of stuff. Mm. I'm also getting that you're really excited about this tour. Mm. I'm really excited about this tour because it's going to just be like you know on uh, you know these spot popping videos. Not... You've seen them coming, man. You must have seen. Oh one where yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Where they're they, amazing. Where they pop one of these big spots and it's yeah. just like wow, exquisite. And I yeah. what, what I would add to that is if you really want to take it up a notch. Mm. Uh, earwax removal videos. Oh, dude, I'm all over that. Phenomenal. All over that. Do you know, I once delayed a gig at the Sheffield Arena because I was watching a Chinese man get his ears done. <laughs> and it just wouldn't stop. It was like an eight-minute... 
it's when they do the, the ruler at the end and you see what you've pulled out. <laughs> that is so great because there's so many music artists at the moment who turn up like an hour late and people are always like, it's just disrespectful to their fans. Listen, when you find a good earwax removal video, <laughs> you got to stick it out. Yeah, it was. I was only four minutes late, but I just needed to know what happened. <laughs> that's what my that's what my score's so going to feel like. So the, 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 the pop spot in video. Yeah, the reason I use that as an example is because it's going to be a relief mm. for me to just say out loud, I know it's been a really cool few years and like there's there's I've been able to have some really cool experience and, and make some cool stuff but just so you know sometimes I get a bit anxious about it mm. and also there there is a person behind the videos mm. and here's a bit about me mm. and it would just make me feel a bit more I think it will make me feel a bit more human like I don't have to in my own brain I won't be like I am a machine. I must keep up this impression to people that I can just work and never get tired and stuff. It'll be like, no, just humanising myself. And then hopefully, as, a, as an effect of that, I can just be a bit easier on myself. There's a very interesting point you raise because your, your reputation is, and you must feel this, mm. whenever there's a big news story, like you say, people are going, well, go on, what you got? Now, yeah. now, 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 give it to me. Give it to me. Make it brilliant. Give it to me for free. Mm -hmm. And then think about the next one. <laughs> Dude, that is it in a yeah, nutshell. But, but it's but but it has been my you know greatest privilege to be able to do that yeah. because I never knew that I could do that and that could launch me to all the places I want to go. Yeah. But doesn't detract that just the the sheer mechanics of doing that is sometimes a lot of pressure, especially as somebody who started off doing it as a joke. Yeah. You know, for my mates. Yeah. So yeah, you know, there's it's as with anything, there's there's the good bits and then there's the bits that are tougher. Yeah, and do your so your pals must mm. just love it. So will they come to see you do stand up? That'll blow their mind, won't so, it? So my here's the thing: you must get this as well because when you when you write stuff or when you perform stuff, do you ever talk to your mates about it, or do you ever like talk jokes with them and stuff? I'm the king of slipping stuff in. Right. So like you know what I mean? I can work. I, I can get bits in. Yeah. Like eight times before I do them on stage, yeah. And my wife knows, so like she she's the only one that can yeah. kind of like, and she'll she'll like narrow eyes and goes, "Is this gear?" Yeah. And you're like, mm, potentially. Mm -hmm. So with my friends, I I do it quite openly. I just be like, "Boys, what do you think about this? What not?" Same with every sketch. Yeah. Every oh, sketch really? goes across to them pretty much. Yeah, because so you've got like a WhatsApp group. Yeah, yeah. I've got like a like an inner circle of people who tell me number one, is it good? Number yeah. two. Is it going to, uh, you know, offend anyone the wrong way? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. my comedy in particular, look, it might be kind of a bit pointy, but it, that has to come from the issue, not from the way I've delivered it. Sure. Because ultimately, I want to make people feel better as opposed to worse. Yeah. So they'll see that stuff. And I think it's got to the point now where they've seen so much of it, like it doesn't amaze them anymore, yeah. which is tricky for me because then I think, oh, that's like a three out of ten. Yeah. And then you do it on stage and it's much better than that. Yeah. So there is a lot of second guessing, but they will come to the tour and I think it's got to the point now where they'll be like... Yeah, it was good. It was good. They will never say to me yeah. how, what they really think because they want to keep me level-headed. Yeah, know, I true. get that. I well, get you that. need that as well. But mm. it, there's also something so cool about having your mates at what, what's... So, like, the Kentish Town Forum mm. is just this beautiful... I think it's like a two-and-a-half-thousand-seater mm -hmm. huge gig. But there's something so cool about having your pals backstage having a walk around the stage mm. before everyone gets in. Yeah. Those are the moments where you're just like, flipping heck, mm. how are we here? Yeah, man. And, and those things, when you get to take them kind of abroad, if you do gigs in America or Europe or whatever, it's, and I think that's the key. I remember watching Chappelle and we sort of do this thing where in the UK where you got to be there with your notepad, you've got to sit in silence for an hour and a half before the gig and he just has his mates. Yeah. And you sort of think, I, 
I think there's a lot to that about having people you like come to shows, whether it's mm. your family, whether it's friends, whether it's kind of other comics, whatever. And because then you're going to be your funniest. Oh, for sure, man. Be, do you know what I mean? Completely. Because you're you're sort of, your shoulders are back rather than this, uh, I must perform like the robot, I have to, say, you know. Mm. Whereas your mates are in, you might throw something in that you know is going to make your pal laugh. Yeah. And I think, so it's, it's sort of about remembering that it's fun. Definitely. And you know what? Like, that's why these warm-up gigs I've been doing have been so informative because I come across, like, so many different things that I'm like, I'm glad this is not going to happen on tour because it's happened now. So when I was in Edinburgh a couple of weeks ago, um, I was performing my show and I knew my show really well. It was a work in progress. But as I was, as I started, basically, it's like my mind split off from itself. And it was like, how do you know you're going to remember all this stuff? How do you know that you're going to be able to speak English as you start doing this joke? How do you know you're going to like literally start to quiz me as I'm performing the routine? It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. And I spoke to my mate about it. It was like, yeah, man, you, you like that's like an intrusive thought, like your brain's producing to try and throw you off or whatever. So it's like there's so many things that I have to like learn and try and do now or get out of my system now so that when I'm on tour, I'm like proper battle hard and ready to go. But yeah, man, it's just been a crazy journey. And um, but also, there's so much comedy in the fact yeah. that you're. Can you so? Can you speak other languages other than English? No. But the very fact that your brain is kind of going, what if you start speaking Spanish? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, like there's such a, it, it's sort of following your own nose just mm. to kind of go, what the fuck? I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. But like, it's suddenly going to come out, and you're like, you know, it. I, th I think that's the key. Like, mm. is always to be there and kind of go on. If you acknowledge that to the crowd, it's so weird. My brain literally went, don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so it's like, never mind you lot heckling me. Yeah. My brain mm. is, and it's sort of that, I think. Yeah, yeah. It sounds exciting though, doesn't it, Dan? Ch chatting to somebody who's about to do their first ever tour. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I don't want to sound like an old goat, but fucking hell, it really, it's exciting. You yeah, should try and, try and treasure it. Yeah. Hundred percent. Because when you did your first show of your yes. first tour, yes. How does it differ from how you will be at these upcoming shows? I was so the first ever gig I did on my own was at the Canterbury Gulbenkian mm. in uh, Kent, and I think it's like a four hundred seater, and I did two forty-five minutes myself, and I was on my I was on my own, completely on my own. There was nobody there. And it was it was such a brilliant gig, but the loneliness afterwards was mm. weird because you suddenly go, all right, I've got to drive home. Yeah, you know. So it was. I realised for me, I liked being with other people, so I liked having a support act, just somebody you could hang with. Mm. So that the 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 big difference now is I will make sure I've got a tour manager, my friend Kumar. The mighty Kumar Kamalagaran, who's one of my best mates. Mm. So I like hanging with him. I'll have a support act that is a friend of mine. And then it makes everything a bit richer. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the key for me. And, and also traveling. So we did some shows in Lisbon recently and sort of performing in front of Portuguese people and seeing if you can sort of just walk around Lisbon and figure stuff out mm. and have 10 minutes that works for them. That's what I get a yes. kick out of. Lovely. That was so interesting, man. Dude, what an absolute joy. And that's that's the first time we've sort of properly Chad, hung. Yeah. Um it was so great. So no, interesting. Dude, I feel like me. I feel like I know you very well and I really enjoyed that. Mm. Munya Chihuahua, ladies and gentlemen. So that was Munya Chihuahua's Wonderbox. His tour is happening right now. 
and you can get tickets by going to livenation.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you next week for more Wonderbox-based fun.